best-sounding <laughs> podcast I've recorded yet. <laughs> Got a bassy, a bassy episode. Test, 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 and feel low. <laughs> all right, cool. You do. Uh, we are recording, yeah, so right. you do your thing. Uh, so I haven't. I, I saw a little bit this morning of uh, the just on Twitter of Jim Crane and the Astros. Yes, I, I have not seen anything other than Jim Crane saying, yeah, we were still the world champions. What are you going to do? Suck on it? Pretty much? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, did I miss anything important? No, nothing. I didn't see, I, I didn't see anything besides that. I think I, I saw that he basically literally said he should not be held responsible. Oh, good. Yeah. I, I think, I think like that was, uh, yeah, I think that was literally, uh, they said, should you be <laughs> held responsible? And he said, no. <laughs> so I think that's like just extreme, like just extreme billionaire behavior. That that really should be like the Astros slogan this year. Should we be responsible? No. No, we've decided against it. We considered it. Uh, yeah. And I think you got to say that pretty much just to become a baseball owner at this point, honestly. <laughs> yes. Do, do you feel responsible for anything? Nah, not really. No, of course not. You're voted in unanimously. Yeah. Just yeah. pulling the Larry David. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So are you... I, I feel the, the one thing about being mad at the Astros that I feel kind of skeezy about, I... I Still kind of don't want to be mad at El Tuve, even though you kind of got to be. I know. Like, it's, it, it's He's outed himself as one of them and, and one of the prominent ones of, yeah, we're making the playoffs again this year and it's our underdog story. Yeah. And yeah, man. Overcoming you... cheating that you do to win <laughs> is a real heroic underdog story. That was my favorite Matt Christopher novel as a kid. <laughs> yeah. I cheated. And guess what, guys? It still worked out. Uh, yeah. It is a bummer. And it is just like, God, I guess if Jose Altuve was larger, I, 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 would, be, I would be angrier more. It would be easier to be angry. But uh, yeah, it seems like, I mean, I did not see his statement this morning. Did yeah. you? I saw he was trending on Twitter and I figured that's not good. And I, I didn't click no. through, honestly, because as I said, I... I I kind of don't. <laughs> yeah. We only have, you only have so much room for anger and it's like, I don't want, even though he wouldn't take up much space, I still don't, uh, it, it is a bummer to feel mad at him, but it is, you know, I mean, the thing with not taking off the Jersey and seemingly saying I'm wearing a piece is just like, is that, that's the most cheating. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I would honestly, I would give him credit if his public statement today were just to get in front of the media and then clasp the jersey together again, <laughs> wag his finger, and then just walk away. At this point, I think that's maybe one of my main feelings about the whole thing is that uh, if you're going to be this heelish, just be this heelish. Yeah. Don't go halfway with all the uh, with the apologies saying. I mean, George Springer, who's another guy who's like seemingly such a nice guy, mm -hmm. and I guess you can be a good person and cheat at baseball, <laughs> you know. I suppose, <laughs> um, but him. His apology was just a lot of, uh, you know, I'm sorry for what the fans are going through. I'm mm -hmm. sorry for the feelings that are out there, but not like, I'm sorry for what I did. Yeah, you know? and that, that's a very uh, strategic parsing of the words there, because by saying, I'm sorry for what the fans are going through, that sends the message to his fan base that, yep, I, I hear, I, I know that you're taking shit for this, mm -hmm. and I feel bad that you are. But it's also like it also creates that sense of it's still us against the world, baby. So, yeah, yeah we are all in this together now. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah, George Springer. Wouldn't it be great if he ended his press conference by saying, yep, never started once. <laughs> Turns out I could speak well all along from birth, baby. <laughs> that would be. I've um, been playing y'all. <laughs> what a great. Yes, that would be an incredible heel <laughs> thing. Yeah, I've never. I speak perfectly and always <laughs> have, you you marks. Uh, <laughs> Yes. That, and, and really, you think about, uh, of that group, the one who could lean in most, like, you, you'd figure Alex Bregman would have the most fun leaning into the heel part, and, and he's the one playing Maguire in all this. Yes. it's I, And that's a bummer, too. That's another guy who I particularly like. Yeah. I thought it seemed like he was cool and willing to say things and to be more outspoken than a lot of uh, baseball players are. And I guess, like, Verlander was a little bit like that, too. And uh, now he's got nothing to say. Now, Mr., you know, I'm more than a ball player. I got a YouTube channel I do with my boys. Yeah. Now you got no content, huh? <laughs> it yeah. seems like you'd be in a pretty good spot to get those views up. Can't think of a thing to post about, guys. Sorry. Yeah. 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 So I'm going dark. Oh. Yeah. It's it's And he was someone that, at least before all this broke, that you thought could maybe, you know, be one of those rare baseball players who connects with you know, the generation that gets everything from YouTube and gets right. everything online. He seemed like an extremely online player and, and yeah. he was the one who could also engage Trevor Bauer and, and talk smack to him directly. He's yes, he seemed like we it is a real bummer to have to take the Trevor uh, Bauer side uh, in an argument with 
with Bregman, uh, with with many of the Astros, and w- with playoff pro- proposals yeah. now too. Yeah, um, we'll get into that in a second too. But yeah, that, that Trevor Bauer video that came out six six and a half minutes, I think it was, and yeah. that, that's got to be a record. For the longest Trevor Bauer has ever gone without being wrong about anything. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. And I watched all of it, and I shudder to think what my YouTube suggestions are going to be for the next three weeks. <laughs> oh, man, you're going to be a whole different Ken next I, time. I am up. pretty sure there's going to be at least five Alex Jones videos <laughs> popping up. But I'm back, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I found my in. Uh, guys, the moon's not real. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it, it it is. I mean, I, I guess I don't know what I expected from the Astros apologies this morning, but it's just nothing. It's just and like you said, it's it. Why even do it? Yeah, it's uh, it, it might as well just be the heels. Embrace that. Yeah, you're going to be we're going to be mad no matter what, because yeah. that's just the nature of this story is that it's so big and so all consuming in the game. And you see the reactions of so many players like Steve Clevenger or Chris mm-hmm. Archer that are just so like offended mm-hmm. at at what what they've done and what they were able to get away with that yeah regardless of what they say you're going to get pushback and you're going to mm-hmm. get people angry but it's still possible to say then the worst thing in the wake of all that and <laughs> right. it seems like that's the path they've taken yes you can still you can still mess it up yeah is this is this a is this a explicit podcast or yes no? oh it's extremely explicit okay so cool. it is a, <laughs> sweet good yeah it's a comics podcast curse away <laughs> okay cool yeah. uh so yeah let's Fart. let's start <laughs> i did it oh, you can't Jesus. bleep me yeah that, that's a first for the podcast holy cow <laughs> uh and that's really the best and, way to start out with the proper right Let's let's yeah. let's do this thing. So yeah, yeah this, we are now uh, ensconced into episode fifteen of the Three Strikes You're Out podcast. That was my jersey number. Th- nice, nice. So that's that's I was, well was going to bring this up. So I've been tying all these in to uh, since like episode three or four mm. to different ball players. Like four is the Lou Gehrig episode. Mm. Nine is the Ted Williams episode. Fifteen. There aren't really a ton of like great ball players or even like current ones I know. Right. Like I had to Google this one, and that's and if I have to Google baseball player <laughs> yes. numbers, you know it's pretty obscure. So our choices that I found, we've got Jim Edmonds, mm-hmm. which as much as I want to say thanks for the latter half of two thousand eight, eh, not yeah. really. Uh, Carlos Beltran, appropriately enough, was it felt better about it a, a yeah. few months ago? Yeah. But yes, or Dick Allen is the other one. All right, Dick Allen's pretty. Yeah, pretty. I'm fun. leaning toward this is the Dick Allen episode. Okay, I'll take that. Out. So, yeah, yeah. So congratulations, sir. And, Thank you very uh, much. The other voice you are hearing right now on this, my name is Ken Schultz. Uh, I suppose I should introduce myself. Sure. As, uh, you know my podcast and all that. <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I am a contributing writer to Outsports, Baseball Prospectus, Cubs Den, and still occasional sayer of the funny things on stage uh thank you for joining us this is the outsports baseball podcast the other voice you are hearing you also heard on episode one yeah. of this this podcast the original kevin mccaffrey i am the the original kevin mccaffrey i yes. sure am and uh, uh yeah, this is far thank you for joining me as always my friend and this is far and away the best sounding episode of the three strikes you're out podcast because I am on the road for this one. Yeah. Uh, in New York City, the concrete jungle where <laughs> dreams are made of, as I am required to say. <laughs> is this the first remote uh, pod? Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. Remote in Astoria, Queens, in, yeah. in uh, Kevin's podcast studio, where he and our friend Adam Mamawala every week give you the Away Games podcast every mm-hmm. Thursday. Uh, all great Chicago Cubs takes from two comics who were in Chicago and are no longer in Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. One, yeah. I was born there. Adam did some growing up in Aurora. Yes. Uh, mostly. I, I'm originally from the Hinsdale, or like mainly grew up in the Hinsdale, Clarendon Hills area. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I grew up in Vernon Hills. I don't think I've ever actually given my like proper background. <laughs> yeah. There I, we go. You're, you're breadcrumbing it a little bit. <laughs> like people are learning a little bit, a little bit more about the Ken Gradually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, every, every little bit of detail helps. It's, yes. Uh, it's eventually going to be like, uh, I don't know, turn out to be like, uh, what is it, True Detective, one of the seasons <laughs> yes. where you realize, oh, this guy's a total piece of shit all along, turns out. <laughs> what, a, what a fun reveal that'll be for whatever. <laughs> what jersey number should you be the piece of, should be the piece of shit reveal? Oh, God. Uh, Will Clark was 22. So. <laughs> okay, so that's coming up. Yeah. That's in two, yeah. Mo- two months. Yeah, Steve Garvey was six, so we already passed that. So, yeah, we'll go with Will Clark 22 <laughs> okay, on that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so, do you know any, like, current 15s that are... 
You know, I don't really, and yeah. I should. I don't off the top of my head. There but just aren't. Like you said, reason. there really weren't many, which is part of why I liked it. I chose 15. The only two jersey numbers I wore in sports growing up were I wore number one and number 15. Nice. And I do think, I, I also feel like this jersey numbers is almost my astrology. Where, like, <laughs> if you tell me your jersey number, I feel like I can tell you some stuff about your personality. And I think you probably feel like that, too, as we are just saying, the asshole jerseys. Uh, <laughs> but I think people who wear one's tend to be cocky yeah you know one's a cocky number or in my case they're in uh some little leagues the size of the jerseys are like the smallest ones are the smallest numbers and then the, mm -hmm. the biggest kids were in the biggest number that's just how it worked and i was the smallest boy in my grade for like a while yeah. so i wore one and then 15 because my birthday's june 15th i think that's a reason why that a lot of people wear it but makes as much sense as really any reason to wear a jersey yeah that, uh, but not a lot yeah, yeah not a lot of great 15s out not there. At i think all. brett butler was a 15 maybe that sounds right yeah. yeah and brett butler from libertyville illinois by the way there so you go could it be a guest on a future your away games Hell podcast. Yeah. Uh, I was a very Brett Butler baseball player because I played center field, good defense, uh, and I nice. couldn't couldn't hit for shit, so I bunted all the time. <laughs> so. I was uh, kind of similar, except for the good defense part, <laughs> and except for bunting, I just crouched down real low and hoped to draw four balls so I could get to first base and run. Hell yeah, that was that was my favorite. Eddie Gaidel it up. Yes, yeah. yeah, I could be number one eighth. That's, that's not <laughs> not bad. Yeah, uh, and I know that one off the top of my head. There so. you go. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, yeah, it feels like one would be either the cocky number. Or it also would depend on, like, whoever the big star at the moment would be. Like, anyone who chose 23 when we were kids yes. was obviously was feeling themselves a 23 bit. was feeling themselves for sure. 23 yeah. is a statement, yeah. uh, especially in, in 90s Chicago right. land. Yeah. yeah, and I guess with LeBron still carrying it on, it still is, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, what would the other one, like, I guess baseball 25 would be you know, what you would go for with yeah. the Trout. Right, uh, now, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, off the top of my head, I, I can't really think of the I other... I bet there's a lot of dipshits wearing twos nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> I bet, yeah. I bet, I bet there's a, there's, a, there's, <laughs> there's one in Houston. We know that. <laughs> yeah. Hey, now. Still, still getting them. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this episode is uh, at least going to be, for the majority of it, going to be kind of a choose-your-own douchebag. Because <laughs> uh, we got really three different baseball douchebag topics to talk about. Uh, already kind of started the right in Houston. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, we've also got uh, the Mookie Betts trade, which we got a hit on, mm -hmm. and then Rob Manfred's playoffs. So uh, choose your own douchebag, Kevin McCaffrey. Man, to start, okay, let's let's start with playoff talk, yes. maybe, because th uh, this is... Uh, now, do you have a feel for how close this is to actually happening? Well, it, it was released the Monday after the Mookie Betts trade went down, which uh, I'm kind of with a lot of people in the media thinking that this is kind of let's throw out something that gets people talking about something that's not the worst trade in the past decade. Yeah. Uh, and makes the Red Sox owners and ownership in general look terrible. Screw it. Let's do the Mookie Betts trade. First. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That makes uh, let's sense. Jump on right. That. Let's, uh, yeah. Cause that is, I guess that is, that's actual baseball that has right, happened. Right. So yeah, let's it. Uh, I mean, so uh, it, it makes me mad for several reasons. It, I mean, it's clearly it, whenever, a team like the Red Sox making that kind of money, it can't hold on to homegrown, the probably second best, arguably second best player in baseball uh, for simply money reasons. What are we doing yeah. as a sport? Uh, also, just like a great likable guy. There's no reason to not want Mookie Betts on your team. Mookie Betts, after I think it was either game one or two of the 2018 World Series, decided to spend that night going out to the steps of the Boston Public Library and feeding the homeless. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and the Red Sox decided, yeah, we don't want that guy to be the face of our franchise. No, let's, but yeah. Yeah. Um, the, so the thing about that, uh, about Mookie Betts, the first and foremost in my mind, is that if this were any other context other than carrying out the whims of ownership because they don't want to pay the next tier of luxury tax. Like this is a fireable offense as a GM. Yeah. Uh, the first trade, especially, but even this one, honestly, when you're trading the second, I, I don't think there's any maybe about it. The second best player in baseball. I think so. I mean, it's the only guy besides trout who you could think reasonably can throw a 10 win season up there. Uh, you know? Yeah. The only guy besides trout who, has won an MVP recently, and you thought, well, yeah, actually, he deserved that right. in 2018. Mm -hmm. um, to to make that trade uh, for Alex Verdugo, who's, you know, a, a guy and valuable, but yeah. not that. Decent. And then at, at the start, Alex Verdugo and a Gretarol kind of starter, kind of reliever, and 
think you can get away with that? I mean, that's immediately like, how are you GMing at all in this game if you think that that's an acceptable response? And even with the way that they then, uh, quote-unquote, fixed it, it's the only one of the only scenarios where you can add someone Jeter Downs, who is I'm, you know, more about prospects than I, but one of the top 20 prospects. Yeah. He's yeah. I mean, I think Jeter Downs is a pretty solidly like top top 50 guy. You would probably say, depending on who you're talking to. Yeah. You can add that and still have it be, this is not at all an acceptable return. No. And it's something as we're both Cubs fans and something that you've said online a lot, that there is no return for Chris Bryant. No, there's no no such thing as a good return for Chris Bryant. There's really no such thing as a good return for Mookie Betts. Yes, exactly. Like Mookie Betts is just about the only person I'd be willing to trade Chris Bryant for. You know, like this is that, that is, that is what we're talking about. I didn't realize that Mookie Betts could be had for this. And then the other thing is like, well, then why don't we have him? Yeah. Like if if this, if you can, (laughs) trade an Alex Verdugo, uh, Gratterall, Jeter Downs for Mookie Betts, why didn't everyone do that? How did just the Dodgers do it? Is it because they took on David Price's salary that they figured? I guess. Yeah, which honestly, I I also have a theory going that the next baseball GM who can move beyond the idea that contracts should be factored at all into trade negotiations is going to make a killing and going to put together a killer team. When you're just realizing that I should be getting fair return for whoever I'm trading. Yes. Uh, and uh, and in, ter- in terms of teams who should be most upset, I want to know why the Padres decided that they couldn't offer more than Alex Verdugo and Jeter Downs. Because that's consensus uh, as an organization, like top three at least. Absolutely. And the, 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 depth, the, the depth of that system it's a situation where even if everybody hits, they ultimately wouldn't have spots for everybody. Right. So really, uh, they uh, yeah the I mean the Dodgers have a decent system too, but it's more top heavy. Um, so the the Dodgers end up a little more depleted this way. Whereas yes, the Padres could have done this and not really felt it right. for a while. Right. Um, and it's and it's surprising that they didn't because yeah. that you know Predler has shown that he's up for stuff. Yes. You know he'll do something weird. So and that ownership wants to spend. Yeah. Too. And they are also a you know medium to small market team and really that those definitions are all kind of bullshit at this point yes uh but they're transitioning from that status to let's go for it and they have to slay the dodger beast in that division in order to make that happen and at at this point you got to think after signing machado and after you have this incredible gift of fernando tatis jr dropped in your lap thanks for james shield yeah yeah uh what more do you need? What more signal do you need? Okay, let's see if we can pair Tatis, Machado, and Betts. Oh and God. let's really see if we can wreak hell in this division for at least a year. I, j- I really, it, yeah, I would like to know how how the how the Red Sox didn't make one more call yeah. to them or where and why the Padres drew the line. Yeah. I mean, I assume it had to be money stuff. Maybe they just wouldn't take David Price, like you say, but... Uh, but man, yeah, that would have been that would have made for a really a, a pretty a, a much more exciting race out there in the West. And now, I mean, if if the Dodgers, who weirdly, I keep looking at their payroll, and it seems like it should be higher. Yeah, you know, as, like as a team fan of a team that is constrained by this luxury tax bullshit. Yes, yeah, you you see the results the Dodgers have gotten the past few years, and you go, well, that feels like they should have been over with the Cubs, and they're kind of not. Yes. And I, I don't under uh, I don't understand. I guess they're, they're you know Friedman and that gang is very smart. Yeah. They're doing they're handling all this very well. But Friedman for the past few years has been at least in terms of free agency running them kind of devil raisish. Yes, absolutely. That he really has not ever gone full bore into free agency, and people always assume that that was kind of by design. That that's why the Dodgers hired him is because they for years before that had been trying to sign a whole bunch of you know the Kevin Browns of the mm-hmm. world. Uh, and it just that had never really worked for him, so they figured let's go for a super smart guy who really doesn't operate in free agency. And yeah, you see, at least this year, okay, yeah, that that is paying off. That yeah. seems a good decision. And it makes you, I mean, it makes you wonder because they since they haven't opened up the books that much, they could just keep bets. They they should yeah. just keep bets if you're going to acquire Mookie Betts. You're not going to do much better than him than anybody uh, on your roster like that. So if anybody's oh, worth man. the four hundred million, yeah, him or Trout, yeah, absolutely. And another thing that I am kind of kind of tangentially pissed off about with in the wake of the bets trade is that it's also showing us how many writers are just in the business of carrying water for team ownership. 
Uh, you look at Ken Rosenthal, who is a guy I like and respect me generally. Too. Yeah. Jason Stark, another one who are writing columns saying, well, all of our contacts in the game are telling me that this is a smart move by the Red Sox. This is a good baseball decision. And everything they offer, like Jason Stark, like one of his ways of rationalizing the trade is, so let's imagine a scenario where the, the Red Sox keep bets this year and also decide to sign Zach Wheeler. Now imagine the kind of luxury tax they'd be paying in that instance. Nobody advocated that. <laughs> yeah, you're making that up. You're making that up. Wheeler's not on the team. Yes, and I think uh, I think I also saw him. I, it was either him or Rosenthal say something about like, but look at the flexibility that the Red Sox will have. They're going to have forty to fifty million dollars of flexibility. It's like. What did we say Mookie Betts cost? Yes. yes. <laughs> That's the flex. What do you have flexibility for <laughs> but to sign the players yeah. who are good? You, you are, had one already. You are not, no matter how Jeter Downs turns out, you are not going to do better than Mookie Betts. No. Not even close on no, that. No. And that's uh, that's a thing when, you know, uh, the trade floated by our favorite team where we've heard chatter about Bryant Ferranato. I love Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? We already have Bryant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's the, uh, if, I'll take both, but I mean, <laughs> the, if you already have the guy that's the thing you want to look for, mm-hmm. keep it. Yes. And it just, in uh, yes, I, I, it, it is, there are writers, I, like, I can't really read Buster Only anymore for, oh, like, God. for similar reasons. Only had another terrible take, and it was on Twitter in response. Did you see Alex Wood's tweet? About, yeah, uh, we retweeted how... it from the uh, Away Games nice, Pod. Uh, nice. yeah, tw- yeah, at Away Games Pod on Twitter. <laughs> yes. I'll plug it right there. Yeah, That's, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good host 20 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> no, you're, yeah, you're killing it. Uh, yeah, Alex Wood tweeted out that uh, the Royals were just sold for a billion dollars. And so, of course, that means every team in baseball can afford a player like Mookie Betts. Yes. And all these response to it was, well, the Yankees and the Dodgers still drink, make more of a profit than the Royals. seems like the Royals do. And he wasn't arguing they don't. Buster. No, he's saying this is the this is the baseline. Yes, this is a bill. Yes, for this for this, for what you're telling me is such a uh, financially strapped team that they. I mean, they obviously they get uh, revenue sharing, and then there's you know the teams get draft picks for being small market, like our friends over in St. Louis, because <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's weird systems built mm-hmm. into place to give these teams uh, extra advantages because they theoretically are so poor. Right, it's a billion. Yeah. Yeah, and a billion dollars means that no matter who you are, if you're worth a billion dollars, you can afford a player who would make $400 million. Yes. And that's all Alex Wood was saying and trying to introduce the fact – Buster Olney wants to operate as if we're still in the Moneyball era. Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, because Moneyball is still such a popular thing as a book and as a movie, most people believe that we still are. Moneyball is done. Yeah. When you look at what all franchises are worth now – like, that concept does not exist, but baseball still operates like that because owners choose to make that decision, and it's much more profitable to operate as if you're still in Moneyball. And look at the team. I mean, just look at the World Series winners since the Royals. Yeah. Too. I yeah. mean, you know. these Look are, at 2016, specifically. Yeah. Look yeah. At, if, just stay, just there. stay on there. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's freeze time. Uh, it was a nice time. Yes. Uh, briefly. So, uh, <laughs> but that, yeah, then, uh, you know, the Nationals. You know what they did? They spent money yes. on players. Yes. And they just won. Right. And, that's, and, and they also, and I forget who on Twitter pointed this out. This is not my original thought. But they went into Anthony Rendon's free agent year saying, okay, we're going to keep you for one more year. Take one more shot at it. And it paid off in the best possible way for mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And so many teams now are scared to do that. It's as if when you hit that two years before free agency, that's the magic time where you, you got to get rid of this guy because there's, there's no way that we can you know fully benefit from what he's going to offer at this point. Uh, and Chris Bryant is, of course, the the, the best example of that. Right. And can I hit you, uh, as as we're trans- transitioning to that subject, yes. can I hit you with a Chris Bryant hot take? Great, uh, yes. The MVP of the Cubs offseason this year, in my world, is the arbitrator of the Chris Bryant decision. <laughs> for Yes, and so it was uh, obviously is a big story that was kind of a non-story for just because nothing was happening. Uh, the arbitrator ruling on Chris Bryant's grievance. Uh, try basically his stance that one year should be taken uh, off, right? Because uh, they delayed his service time by was it fourteen, thirteen days? Thirteen days, and he, he the was called minimum up, needed. Literally, to exactly get another year of control. Yes, and uh, and this arbitrator somehow needed years and years <laughs> to solve this thing that uh, there was no new information coming yeah. for a long time. But yes, the arbitrator delaying that made. I mean, the Cubs couldn't really deal with other teams around Chris Bryant. Right. The best possible, from the way they were operating this offseason, the best possible scenario for the Chicago Cubs going into 2020 is to have an MVP candidate at third base. Yeah. And they do. 
Thank you, arbitrator. <laughs> yes. It, and uh, like you were saying before about people trying to uh, – about teams trying to squeeze uh, the value out of these players years down the road, the Cubs currently have Chris Bryant for two years. Yes. The Red Sox would have had Mookie Betts for one more year. These years count? Uh, isn't the whole reason not to be a Herm Edwards about it to you know you play to win the game but the years you have the players count like two years people would want two years of an MVP caliber player you have it this isn't a problem this is a this is a feature not a bug (laughs) of the system uh and yeah and the Cubs specifically have a lot of guys in their prime right now and it is very frustrating to hear talk about them trying to like rebuild out of it yeah or that we somehow have to make uh, a decision between Javi and Chris Bryant as to who we like best, yeah, no, as don't. to who sparkles more. No, no, actually, the the best way to ensure long term viability and s- sustainability as as a major league team is to sign Rizzo, Bryant, and Javi to extensions. There's your core. Yes. You build around that every single year and take your shot for Hell the next yeah. five or six years. Team, yes, teams want players like this and people like this mm-hmm. uh, too. And it just in uh, it. Talking about these writers carrying the water for owners and all that, all this stuff. Uh, the Cubs also, uh, I, I think it was Ricketts. Was it Ricketts or Crane Kenny who said that uh, in their real estate dealings building up Wrigleyville, they overshot their budget by what do you say, five hundred percent, or was well, it one hundred percent? He said about one hundred percent. About one hundred percent. Yeah, that was Ricketts. And uh, if you want more on that, read my BP essay uh, that I published <laughs> yes. last week about. Uh, Tom Ricketts, Insulting Fans Intelligence, and also was just translated into Spanish this week, I found <laughs> hey, out. Hey, hola. So, yes, yes, I am now multicultural. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, y- you know, these. <laughs> it's weird when the owners can overshoot the real estate budget yeah. by, uh, by 100%. Yes. And... Two million over a luxury task on the thing that is the team you own. The yes. thing that you own, the main thing, apparently you can't budge an inch on that. Right. But building up bars in the neighborhood, oh, yeah, absolutely. It'd be the equivalent of putting out a $400 million payroll yeah. on players. Try that. <laughs> Let's fuck up that way and see what happens. Yeah, and the reason why that happens is because owners have figured out that one of the ways that they're guaranteed profit now is to make those kind of real estate investments mm-hmm. around their park. It's why you see Atlanta building an entire damn new park just to have the fake downtown that they attach to it and have control of all those restaurants. It's why Texas is building their new park. It's why the Red Sox own all the buildings around Fenway and open it up as kind of a carnival before every game. It's mm-hmm. because owners figured out that no matter how you perform on the field, no matter what your payroll is, if you have those kind of investments and you have that uh, people coming in to see games and spending money outside your park and you control that, you make all that money no matter what. Yes. And that's why Ricketts is, is more willing to, to go over 100% yeah. on, on what surrounds Wrigley and, and turn it into a theme park. Yeah. It's not a hardship. No. It's, <laughs> it's money to make money. Yeah. And the money that should be going towards the team, yeah. ultimately. Oh, dear God. In, uh, in yes. a much better world. Yes. And, uh, and another thing about the Bryants, that, and this is a criticism that I have of Theo, which is, yeah. Is that possible? <laughs> it's, Our, it's hard, but yeah, it's there to be. Yes, there are criticisms. Yeah, but so we know that Theo has operated this offseason in a, trying to get them under that threshold, that that seems to be their number one goal as mm-hmm. a franchise. And that's why he wanted to pursue the Bryant trade as, as hard as he did, because by doing that, they automatically would and they could reset and all that. So once you're in like December, and you see that the arbitration hearing is continuing to drag and you don't know when it's going to end. At what point do you start thinking, I need to go to plan B here? And why don't you have a plan B? And why didn't you activate plan B before spring training started? Because there was a, as it turned out, very good chance that this was going to drag on for the entirety of this offseason. And it feels like you got caught unprepared. Because you didn't have some kind of thing, some kind of plan to fall back on uh, that involves trading. Jose Quintana would be great. <laughs> yes, one of my favorite. Ken is. I was actively not a hater of a baseball fan. <laughs> I love how much you don't enjoy Jose yeah, Quintana, and I don't want to be that dick. <laughs> no, I, I, know, I just but, want to be done with well, the Jose Quintana experience. Yes, I understand that. I, I, I get it because it's uh, the whole reason the Cubs dealt huge capital for this guy was because he was so affordable. Yeah, and now that money on a fringe. Starter 
really, yeah. um, is, is, is it has the Cubs over the luxury tax limit. So now it's a thing where they've they've chosen neither lane, mm-hmm. as you say. And now sitting here just seeming like they're going to status quo it until the middle of the season, which is funny because Theo literally said this will not be status quo, <laughs> huh. I believe, verbatim. Yeah. Uh, and then, Sigh. Yes. And uh, they're just... It, it seems like a shrug, and they'll see what happens <laughs> by trade deadline. And then if they're doing well, I guess they maybe won't go under the luxury limit. That'd uh, be nice. That's that's the best case scenario. But it does seem wildly unprepared. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Is it possible to like hashtag the shrug emoji as this year's Cubs marketing theme? <laughs> yeah. In the in the successful footsteps of let's go hashtag. <laughs> yeah. I heard. Yeah. I, I the Cubs general manager uh, Jed Jed Hoyer said like we may have worked harder this offseason than any other. Which they what said a- last year too. Yes. And did nothing. Yeah. What other job can you do that in? It's like <laughs> I've been working hard. Nothing has happened. But you believe me, I was doing the work. And 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 good job a gold star for you jed hoyer but oh, good. yeah it turns out they measure your progress by how your team does during yes. the season yeah and uh let's take a pause for a second sure. in the midst of all this ranting because ah first time i gotta read a promo we're doing oh, like this is the first podcast promos now for, for yeah. other podcasts in the network so let's hook them up bear with me as i put in my announcer voice for this one <laughs> sure uh, we have a new podcast launching launching on Outsports. I already failed. L- <laughs> launching on Outsports. Fired. <laughs> launching it out. I would I would listen to that podcast. That <laughs> sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, beginning this week, our new deputy manager Alex Reamer will host the Sports Kiki, where he and leading LGBTQ voices look at the most pressing issues in sports and how they're covered and discussed by fans and media alike. On the inaugural episode, Alex will chant with Alex will chat. All right, two failures in this promo. <laughs> And I'll never get asked to do this again. <laughs> Alex will chat with Outsports editor Dawn Ennis about the proper way to cover Martina Navratilova, who's been in the news for her important protest against Margaret Court Arena, but also has a troubling history of anti-trans rhetoric on her own. New episode will be published Saturday, where all podcasts are available. Don't miss it. Yeah. All right. Pro so mode. Actual professional podcasting. Oh, yeah. All uh, right. So we have two more choices left in the Choose Your Own Douchebag right. episode of Free Structure <laughs> Out. Uh, do you want to go back to the Astros? Do we want to hit Manfred? Uh, let's uh, let's Manfred it. Let's Manfred. So yeah. the playoff proposal that was introduced on Monday uh, actually has a good thing. We'll start with the good sure. thing. Sure. Uh, it would get rid of the one-game wildcard play-in, which I have been begging for from the very first wildcard. Same. When the infield fly rule was invoked against the Braves and in favor of the Cardinals, and I said, yep, this is bullshit. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I think we're both... Uh, of a mind that I actually very much enjoy the one game playoff when it happens because after 162 games you can't separate teams. Yes. I enjoy the natural one game playoff when it happens. Mm-hmm. Cool. 100%. That, that's wild. It's it's crazy and uh and fun. The forced where you have teams where it's like so frequently it seems like a 93 win team has to play a one game against an 85 win mm-hmm. team. Uh just forced drama. We play a lot of games in baseball. Let's. You, it's not a one-game sport, yeah. you know. Um, it feels so manufactured for TV, as if Seeley right. noted that when we have naturally occurring one-game playoffs, that's when the most fans tune in. So, what if we did this every year? It's frustrating, yeah. yeah. And it's the classic Bud Seeley. Let's create a gimmick to cover up bigger problems within the game and hope no one notices. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so now it's a three-game, right? Uh, yes, three games, idea. and the idea is that seven teams from each division will be invited to October. Uh, so that's 14 teams total in a league that currently has 30, which, uh, doing math, is close to half. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's sneaking up on it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so as as someone who got into baseball in the mid-'80s, and you're someone who got into baseball in the late-'80s, early-'90s, so we're still talking the same language here. Yeah. This was an era when only two teams made the playoffs from every league. And what that did at least for me, it was that it gave me the sense that just making the playoffs was a monumental achievement. One of the happiest memories of my childhood was that night when the 89 Cubs clinched the division in Montreal, where I, at at 10 years old, literally jumped up and down on my family room couch with my dad and hugged and just (laughs) Harry Carey rejoicing on TV. Cubs win the division! Cubs win the division! And just that, that feeling of euphoria is in my mind because... They, it was like the per, the great ending to an epic quest, and that's yes. that's how 
the Major League Baseball season to me feels like it should be. That if we're going to be playing 162 of these games, yes. it has to be for something. It has to mean something because otherwise that is a shit ton of games to be playing for almost half the teams in baseball to say, yeah, okay, now it's when the real the real game starts. Yeah, my uh, my mom's husband Wally is a is a big time White Sox fan, otherwise wonderful guy, and he uh, he talks about how when he came moved here from Germany in uh, the fifties and got into baseball, he talked about how really it felt like winning the pennant was almost a bigger deal than the World Series. Yeah. It, it was like the World Series is crazy. You go there and uh, you know you it's it's a short series, but winning the pennant was what it was uh, what it felt like it was more all about and if as you say we have 162 games here if these games are to matter yeah i think getting into the playoffs has to feel like a championship of sorts and when you ha if you have literally half the teams getting in mm -hmm. it really starts feeling like you're moving towards what the other sports do and taking away from what is interesting about baseball yeah baseball never kind of never seems to understand that it's okay to not be the NFL. Yeah. Honestly, that, that there are things you do that are so much better than football. And, and for guys like us, I mean, that's the majority of things baseball does still, even <laughs> yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when they added the first wild card back in uh, 1994 and then decided to strike and say the hell with it anyway. <laughs> yes, uh, in theory. But yeah. I, I was afraid that that was diluting the competition and that that was going to be too many teams in the playoffs. But uh, the one thing I'll give Sealy credit for is that first wild card it was still hard as hell mm -hmm. to make the postseason and to make October. And the regular season still meant everything. Like when the Cubs won it in 98, uh, that was an, a night of ultimate rejoicing where I ran from one end of Kenyon College campus <laughs> to the other with my fist in the air, not saying a damn thing because I was just so <laughs> overcome with joy. Absolutely. Uh, just winning a wild card was still a feat. It and, felt impossible yeah. to me that the Cubs could get into the playoffs and yeah. winning that wild card. Absolutely. And that was, and it ended up being a one game playoff and then the wild right. card, uh, but a naturally occurring one right. game playoff. Um, yeah, it felt, and then it felt like, you know, obviously you want the Cubs to win the world. You want your team to win the world series, but getting in made it a happy year, no matter what. Yes. And, and really the, the teams from our childhood that are looked on the fondest are still 84 and 89 mm -hmm. and 84, you, until 2003, you couldn't end a season worse than the 84 team did blowing the three games to the Padres and right. the ball famously going through Durham's legs, but the 84 team is still beloved and yeah. will always be beloved because they were the first team to make the postseason since 45. And it was such a huge deal. And it was such an epic victory. And to me, the 162 games, and maybe this is why my finger is not exactly on the pulse <laughs> of Sporting America right now, but I view it as it's always like it's an epic novel. And when they, when your team wins at the end of that 162, it is like, you know, an infinite jest level epic novel. I'm trying to think of one that ends happily and none are occurring right now. So sure. I went with fucking David Foster Wallace. But... That's a lot, you know, a lot of footnotes in that season. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's, it's like that kind of satisfying epic novel. It's like, it, it's, it leads to a satisfying ending and 162 games with seven teams in each league making the playoffs feels a little Danielle Steely to me. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it just, the story of, it seems like the story of the season would be easier to get lost just because less there are less things that matter to a great degree in a season when you can sneak into the seventh spot. Yeah. You know, when you're just barely over half. To that point. Yeah. Uh, just off the top of your head, what is the most famous Cubs game of the 1980s? Uh, I mean, off the top of my head, I mean, it's got to be, I think it's the 84 clincher, right? 84 would clincher would be, I, I, I would say, are we saying regular Sandberg season? Game. Yeah. Oh, regular. Sandberg, yeah. I guess. Just, yes. just any, any game. That's true. Yeah. Um, and yeah. The, re the reason why I would say, and I bring that up is because the Sandberg game is kind of universally looked at as that was the game that spurred that team on. That mm -hmm. if you look at that, that they were like a game and a half, Sandberg always says, going mm -hmm. into that day on like third place. And from that moment on, that's he says that's when they felt like, okay, we can actually do this thing. Mm -hmm. And so that – there are – I mean, you, you can't think of in, – in a, in a scenario where the 84 Cubs are one of seven teams in that, in that division yeah. uh, or in that league that make the playoffs, the Sandberg game – does not have anywhere close to the meaning it does. No, because they already would have been firmly ensconced right. in, in the playoff picture. Yeah, you're it, safe at yeah, that point. You don't really need it. Yeah, you it's don't... a nice day. Yes. Uh, certainly it's good to beat the Cardinals that way, but it doesn't take on 
that epic quality where 35 years later, you say those three words and everyone knows exactly what you mean. And yeah. Brian Sandberg gets that brought up to him every single day of his life. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it it is a thing where there are just so many damn baseball games in a year. What are we doing if they're not all to separate teams at the end right. of the year? I mean, that should be one of the biggest features about baseball. Is we are pretty sure who the best teams are by the end, and I think when you have half the league making it, it just doesn't matter who the best teams are. So what are we doing playing 162 then? You mm-hmm. could, I mean, you could cut the season by 25 games yeah. and do and probably get up basically the exact same. Uh, the, the exact same group of teams in there. And that uh, might be part of the plan, honestly, because that means less baseball and Rob Manford hates baseball. <laughs> yes, exactly. It'll be a tough, tough fight between less baseball and more money. It's like, that's a, it's a, yeah, yeah. a tricky God, thing. That, that is the, the ownership Sophie's choice right there. Yeah. I mean, I guess the upside, the only upside that I've heard uh, people mention is that, oh, less teams, uh, less incentive for teams to tank. Teams are still going to tank. Yeah, like uh, and the- Joe Sheehan, I think, is the one who's made the point against that. That it's actually more incentive for teams not to spend because you'll still be in the hunt regardless of whether you acquire Mookie Betts or not. There's Right. There's no need to make that final Mookie Betts trade. There's less need because you don't need that definite separator like that. And unfortunately, we go back to Trevor Bauer made a great point, too, (laughs) uh, because in, in this scenario, the best team in the league gets a bye. And in other sports, obviously in football, a buy is so valuable when you get to spend an entire week watching other teams beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> yes. In baseball, how many times, how many postseasons have we gone through where the talking point going into the World Series is, oh, man, these guys have been sitting around for five days. Are, are they going to be fresh? Are they going to have the feel for when game one happens? Yeah, baseball's an everyday thing. You yeah. don't get two days off in baseball. Yeah, a buy punishes more often than, than not the, the best team, and unless... And they're the best teams. They would already have their pitching lined up for the postseason, having clinched it so many days in advance. Yeah, if the rest did so much good, we'd be talking about. Do you remember that world champion Colorado Rockies team <laughs> that went and like had, swept through the playoffs, and mm-hmm. then had to sit and wait for the uh, for the Red Sox? Yeah, and got got their asses handed to. Perfect it. example. Yeah, yeah. it's just uh, it, it it doesn't. And also, I think beyond uh, every logistical reason why I think neither one of us likes this playoff proposal. Uh, the more difficult it is to explain what the fuck you're doing, I don't think that helps your sport. Yeah. So it's like when you're explaining this, the number one team gets a bye. Two gets to choose who they're going to uh, face. They get the first draft yeah. pick and then three picks and then four faces whoever's left. And then <laughs> there's three games. It's just like what? Except if it's a Monday, in which yes. case the standings are reversed. It's there... too much talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... And and it feels like, again, TV running the show for baseball, which we know it always does. Sure. But... Uh, it, it also feels like Rob Manford going, well, uh, you know, baseball obviously is not good enough on its own to attract ratings, so let's put reality TV elements into it. And it reminds me of it's, it's an old Greg Giraldo bit about uh, an old, I forget what reality show it was called, uh, The Next Champion or something like that, talking about a reality show to figure out who would be the next great boxer. And Greg Giraldo's great line was always, yeah, it turns out that there actually is a reality <laughs> show to figure out the next great boxer. It's called boxing. <laughs> yeah, it's the thing that they do. Yes, yes. <laughs> on the field. You don't need to inject any more elements of artificial competition because the entire thing is set up for actual competition. It's one of the nice things about sports. It does itself. Yeah. You, you put them out there, if everybody's trying to win, it's, it's that's the whole thing. And it's more compelling than reality TV because it's every day and it's 162 and you want to keep that every day 162 at as compelling as possible. Yes. Yeah. And so let's finally circle back to sure. the original choose your own douchebag where we started. Mm-hmm. Um, do we really need to say anything about Jeff Luno being a bigger piece of shit than even we imagined? <laughs> I mean, it's like, obviously yeah. a cheater, a pretty bold liar, even after the cheat oh, yeah. at this point, and, like, but perfectly in character with like the tech bro consultant person that he was going in yes. to the general managing a baseball team that of course this would be when it, we find out that that he's been the ringleader of the cheating all along of course that would be how yes. he responded to it yeah uh yeah it, and god remember brandon taubman remember that yep. remember that guy oh yeah yep just how those were the days huh it's like a completely <laughs> different bunch of assholes yeah it's like a completely different uh is, is anybody with the houston astros just a decent person it's amazing how many different was that the market inefficiencies they found <laughs> Yeah, if we get all the pieces of shit in one place, <laughs> uh, it worked, you know? Yeah. It worked once all the way and twice almost. It's, yeah. Um, yeah, Lou, Lou now, I mean, he can never work in baseball again. I would hope not. Yeah, like, you know. You could see A.J. Hinch coming back yeah. at some point, especially since 
he at least seemed contrite, although probably strategically contrite during right. his interview. But nonetheless, he's at least owning that this was an awful thing. Yeah, Lunau, I you got to think that this this guy's just bad news everywhere he goes. And and if you can suspend the ex was it Anthopolis, the ex Braves mm-hmm. GM, just because he was screwing around with bonus money for Dominicans was, was or, oh wait that wasn't Anthopolis that was Anthopolis took his oh, no, place yeah, right, 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 uh, right. Uh, there's another like consultant yes I'm, I'm blanking on his yeah, name never, but yes. not even worth looking up honestly yes. but yeah uh, he was banned for life yeah right yeah and this is a much bigger thing that impacts everybody in the game uh and calls into question the legitimacy of the 2017 World Series mm-hmm. uh, and that's baseball's biggest event is now and a, up until this point was and historically great World Series. It was a great one. That yeah. Some in, truly insane back-and-forth games yeah. between two heavyweight teams who yeah. were clearly the two best teams in the world at it that was, time. It was a classic, and now that that's all gone and ruined. And I, you know, neither one of us being a Major League Baseball player or on a staff, uh, you saw, I, th- I think, you know, when this first broke, it seemed bad. But also, you sort of don't know to what degree all the teams are cheating, etc. Right. It now seems as mad as other players and as on record as other players have been about it. Everyone was pretty on board that this is way worse than you're supposed to do. Yeah. It seems like a pretty consistent vote throughout the league that this is surprisingly terrible. Um, yeah. And I, I just don't know. I don't know how you argue out of that. I mean, it's it's it. it there's really no like, whoops, we didn't know. Mm-hmm. They knew they did it. They would have kept doing it. Yes, absolutely. Know? That's the one thing you can be sure of is mm-hmm. until this got out. Yeah, they would be doing it every single year, just finding new and different ways to, to keep avoiding te- detection. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask you just a couple of questions that are kind of going around in relation to this. Uh, are you a vacate the 2017 title person? I mean, it's weird because probably less so than I would would have thought. Because, I, I don't know, it's kind of like, on one hand, it I, I certainly see the argument for it, and they cheated beyond ways that anyone else had, and it seems like everyone says this is worse than steroids, this is worse. So, uh, yeah, I don't want them to have the title, but also, they did. It's kind of like when they vacate a Heisman Trophy, to me, where I'm like, you can, but mm-hmm. it also doesn't, I don't know how much it matters. Yeah, we, we it's, to me, I, I don't see... What the point of it is. The moment's gone. Yeah. It's the thing. You, yeah. the, the moment was stolen, but you don't like the, the, I don't think the Dodgers would feel like they won the World Series no, if you, you vacate. You get no joy from that. No. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. What, what's, what, what, how do you feel? Yeah, I, I'm of the opinion, I, I, like you, understand where the sentiment is coming from. And certainly uh, the, the anger behind it is very valid. Right. But I'm of the opinion, kind of similar to what you said, that this is history at this mm-hmm. point. Like, right. we have actual footage of the Houston Astros <laughs> winning the World Series. <laughs> yes. That's not going to get erased regardless. Yes. And also, I mean, this is also something that has been going on in, in different forms throughout the entirety of baseball history. And it's mm-hmm. not, I'm not saying this to excuse it, but we don't, for example, we don't vacate the pennant the 1951 Giants won. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't vacate the pennant of the 1940 Tigers. And we have Hank Greenberg in his autobiography going on record saying, yep, I was getting the signs the entire year that year. Um, so I think this is some, and also this is, I don't think we need necessarily an official vacating. I it feels not va- vacation. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I need a vacation. Yeah, uh, we yeah. all do from this. But <laughs> yes, it feels. Yeah, uh, yeah. Every, everybody who follows baseball, even casually at this point, knows what happened in the 2017 World Series. The asterisk is already there in your mind. Right. That's never going away, totally. regardless of how much Jim Crane tries to insist <laughs> that. Yeah, no, uh, the, the, the 2017 World Series. Is perfect still. Yeah, and yeah, yeah it no, doesn't uh, it, degrade that at all. No, it's right. I don't think it's a championship that anyone else really respects or not at or all counts anymore. Yeah. So it's yeah, I think it's functionally vacated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you officially vacate it, it's just it's kind of like a presidential censure. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, do it, but it doesn't do anything. Right. Yeah. yeah. The, no one will get any actual satisfaction out right. of doing it. I think other than the visceral haha, yeah, fuck you guys, which yeah. would be nice for a second. <laughs> sure. And r- really, I mean, the nice the upside if there is one is just like you really rooting for this team to never win again. You know. <laughs> Like it's it's a nice reason to really not want to see this team win. Yeah, and uh, it will in a very macabre and bizarre way 
Astros games are going to be very interesting to watch. I looked the it up. They play the yeah. Angels on the first day, oh, yeah. old friend Joe. Yeah, and have you heard uh, that Dodger fans are buying Angels tickets in record numbers <laughs> just to go down and boo the hell out of the it's Astros? It's pretty great. Series. I mean, yeah. it's funny that they're such, they're such assholes. They are making <laughs> two kind of rival fan bases yeah. bond together yeah. in Southern California. It. Yeah, it's, it's a completely new paradigm for baseball. <laughs> yeah, totally. And the other, the final question I want to ask you, yes. uh, does this affect Carlos Beltran's Hall of Fame chances to you? Uh, does it affect his chances? Yeah. I think it certainly does. Mm-hmm. Um, would it for me? I don't know. I mean, it seems like he's a real ringleader of it. Yeah. So he's a guy who he wasn't getting in on the first ballot anyway, right? Probably uh, not. Yeah. yeah. Um, it seems like the way voting has gone recently, like with seeing Larry Walker get in just now, I feel like he's a decent comp for Beltran in terms of Beltran being, you know, a guy who's certainly like a lead across, like great across the board, especially in rate stats more than like counting, you would say. Um, so I think it definitely does affect it. Would it affect my vote for Carlos Beltran? I, I tend to be a vote for the guys who were the best guy, mm-hmm. even if they're asshole. Like I would vote. Going to do the Sosa hashtag now? The Sosa. What was that one? Was it a uh, Sosa Justice Warrior? Oh, so, yes, guys? The, yeah. so, yes. Hashtag Sosa Justice Warrior. Yes, we are SJWs on Wake <laughs> uh, Games podcast. Yeah, I vote for you know I'd vote for Bonds and Sosa and uh, and Clemens because they're the best players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I so I think I would still vote for Beltran because I do think he was a Hall of Fame player but it is weird because it's a it's a level of cheat that all the players agree is worse than steroids and steroids is keeping people out yeah. so it's uh interesting in kind of your discussion of beltron as looking at his overall career that there is no real one carlos beltron signature moment other than maybe the 2004 playoffs yeah where he just went off like that right Carlos Beltran's signature moment, we now know, is going to be the ringleader of the sign-stealing scheme. Yeah. And so that's going to be fresh in voters' minds for a number of years. But I don't think, overall, it's going to prevent him from eventually getting into the hall. And the reason I say that is because we already know a couple of sign-stealer guys are already in there. That's uh, true. Hank Greenberg, who I mentioned earlier, has admitted to benefiting from it. Probably not the ringleader of it, but nonetheless was a part of a a sign-stealing scheme and is justifiably still regarded as one of the greatest hitters of the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leo DeRocher uh, was the one who implemented the giant sign-stealing scheme in 51. Now, he went in before that got found out, so that might be a special case. But nonetheless... Unlike the steroids guys, where we can kind of conjecture some guys who might have done this are already in there. There's still no, but no definitive proof of it. Mm-hmm. We know that sign-stealing guys are in the Hall of Fame regardless. Yeah, and I there's... think at some point, probably whenever the same amount of time that's passed for steroids guys has passed for Beltron, people will probably kind of look at that as, okay, that was his role in baseball history. We're no longer mad about this, and he was still worthy of the Hall as a great player. Mm -hmm. I think he'll have an easier time than Bonds and Clemens and Sosa will. But uh, but yeah, it is definitely going to be the talking point for several years. It's kind of a new case. I mean, it's, we haven't, we haven't seen a hall of fame case like that in a while. Yeah. Uh, Which will be, uh, make that fascinating. Yeah. uh, Maybe the one good, interesting (laughs) thing about it is, yeah, be fascinated about steroid debates that revolve around something other than injectables. But uh, (laughs) yes, Kevin McCaffrey, you have injected wisdom, whimsy, and delight into this podcast. Happy Uh, to debag it up. Uh, any uh, anything else you like to plug? While I still have uh, you get, as we're sitting in my uh, Astoria Queens podcast studio right now, I'll plug. Uh, we talked about the baseball podcast. I also host a uh, Sex in the City podcast. Oh my goodness, yes! With my uh, my good friend, a very funny. Uh, I'm a comedian, and uh, there's a very funny television writer named John Daly. We are watching Sex in the City from the beginning for the very first time. The uh, show is called Sex and the City. It's like C I D I O T S, and uh, you get yeah get us get us uh, on on your podcast machine, and uh, it's. Uh, it's a fun one. That is uh, where the term trash can banging takes on a whole new <laughs> definition. Yes. I'd bang it. <laughs> All right. And <laughs> what better way to end the podcast than <laughs> sigh. Sigh. I'd bang it. Thanks for joining me, my friend. Yep. Yeah.